Before we get started, I need to thank a new Patreon patron. Thank you, William, last name withheld. I uh, didn't didn't put a last name, not going to try to guess. I could guess. I could guess. Billiam? William Billiam. Probably not. Anyway, thank you, William, for becoming a patron. And uh, I hope you enjoy the original cast at the movies, which every patron gets uh, when they become a patron of the original cast. But William went above and beyond and then beyond again and joined our orchestra level. So he gets the original cast on Tuesday. Can you even imagine being in the world? It's Tuesday and you think, ah, I really want to listen to the original cast, but it doesn't come out until Wednesday. And then you remember, oh, right, I'm an orchestra level patron of the original cast. I get it on Tuesday. Day. And then, yay! You know, or something like that. That's kind of, that's how it goes. So anyway, become a patron of the original cast. Go to patreon.com slash originalcastpod and uh, swear undying loyalty to this uh, podcast that you love so much. And you will be rewarded with many different things. We have three tiers of membership and everybody gets the original cast at the movies. So thank you, William. And thank all of the patrons out there who are supporting and continue to support the original cast. Uh, I can't do it without you. And I'm so happy to have you. And again, go to patreon.com slash originalcastpod. All right, here's the show. Whenever my world falls apart, I never lose hope or lose heart. Whatever the form of the storm that may brew, not with you to lean on, darlings, you. Hello and welcome to the Original Cast, a podcast about original cast albums and the people who love them. I'm Patrick Flynn. My guest today is a performer, she's a singer, she's a playwright, she's a lyricist, she's a lot of things. It's Star Johnson, everybody. Hey, how are you? Good, how are you? I'm good. I have to come with you, but I'm not a singer. Oh, you're not? I thought I saw in one of your credits that you were a, a vocalist in one of your I, I just, I, I've done some performing, but I, I'm not a singer in any way to perform. Oh, okay. Um, I'm a two. Oh, okay. Well, that's fine. Um, you're still all those other things I said, though, right? All those were Yeah. Okay, good. I thought so. But great, but you're here today to talk about... Company! Rings, door chimes, in comes company. No strings, good times, room hums, company. Late nights, quick bites, party games, deep talks, long walks, telephone calls. Thoughts shared, souls bared, private names, all those photos up on the walls. Yes, company. It has never come up. It is so, this is so interesting. This is the first time we're talking about company. How did, uh, how did company come into your life? I found company after I found rent. Mm. I'm going to date myself when I say this. I may have like saw like company on one of those, um, you remember those old stores where you could listen to music on your hip, on headphones? Mm -hmm. and you could yeah. swipe a cd and listen to like oh yeah like at the wall the yeah mm -hmm. yes mm -hmm. so i'm gonna date myself when i say that but i think i found it through there and then like later i think i may have seen the um ladies who lunch performance um the elaine street at liberty performance oh, sure. and then from there i was just like i was like oh okay so this is what this is what when i think of musical theater this is what i this is the sound that I think of. Oh, right. Even I though you found it after Rent, it was, this was more of a, like a musical, musical to you. I think this taught me how to write. Oh, really? It was that kind of musical. Yes. Yes. Oh. It's taught me how to write lyrics. How do, how do, how do I, yeah. I oh, think that's what this musical was for me. So what was your experience with like theater and before that? I learned, um, uh, I see, I got into theater when I was like in junior high school. I was really quiet, very quiet. And then I got and um, to, I went to junior high school and I joined the drama club and it just opened up. And that's when I think I started learning more about plays and a, a more about musicals. And there was a trip where, um, again, I'm going to date myself, but there was a trip to um, see uh, Cats at the Winter Garden Theater and in New York City, because I was in, I was in um, Maryland. And so we, there was a trip for us to go and I went and I saw it. It was my first Broadway play. And I was just like, what is this? I want to be a part of this. How can I, I didn't know what the roles were. Mm -hmm. You know, I didn't know that the writer was a job. I was just like, sure. I want to be a part, I want to be a part of this. Of this. Yeah, sure. From there, I, you know, have gone on to write and um, compose musicals in, in DC and in New York. 
that was a, a great part of my life that um kind of met a st- I'm kind of at a little bit at a standstill. Is that because of what's going on right now, or is it a standstill just because of like where you are in your like artistic creative development? I think it's because before was before that. It was like this fall. Because I know you have a Dumb. yeah, you have a commission coming up with Rep Stage, right? Isn't that correct? I had a commission with Mosaic. Oh, with and Mosaic. I finished that. That's right. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I finished okay. that, and and then I just kind of stopped everything. Mm-hmm. And I and I joke with everyone. I'm like, I'm retiring. I'm retiring. <laughs> I, that was the last thing I worked on was the was the show at the the commission at Mosaic. Mm-hmm. And then I said, um, and then I just, I've I've been doing so much. Like I was so much. I was doing so many shows. I was going up to New York. New York. I would go like on a Tuesday to New York, and then I'd come home because I was working like a full time job. Keep in mind. So I would like go to go to work, and then I would come, and I would go to to New York, and I would do a show, and then I would come home. And then I would go back to New York that weekend. And it was just so much, so much, so much, so much. I just, it was a lot. And I think I just like kind of stopped at a certain point. So um, I'm still, I still love theater so much. And this album has made me, I was like listening to it on my walk just now. And I was just like, oh my gosh, like, I love this. I love writing. I love writing so much. And this, this is the type of, this is the type of album that just like inspires you. And it's like, it's like, I want to just tell those stories, tell these stories so simply. It's kind of where I'm at. So it's sort of, that, that, well, that's great. I'm glad that it sort of, it, it reinvigorated you a little bit, listening to it again. Because um, it's obviously got a profound impact on it. What, what do you think it is about, I mean, obviously, I, I mean, I love this show. I think Company is amazing. And I think there isn't a music theater kid out there who doesn't think Company is amazing. It seems to speak to so many people over so many different years. Do you think, this is an interesting question with this show, do you think you could summarize the, the, the plot or plotless story of, of Company for our I listeners? I think so. All right. I think. Okay, so Company is a dark comedy. It's about marriage. Um, as you said, a lot right there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so the story <laughs> is about Robert, or Bobby, as he's called in the story, and he's a bachelor who lives in New York City. And um, the story takes place on the eve of his... 35th birthday and um he's single all of his friends are married or they're you're getting married or getting divorced or in some you know uh form of that life that stage in their life and so on his birthday he's having a hard time blowing the candles on his cake and we later learn that it's because he's having difficulty defining you know what it is that he wants so what it is that he's wishing for and so the show consists of these series of vignettes that are basically just bobby like running through um, these encounters with his friends and um, and with these women that he's dating and and just learning these lessons of ups and downs of marriage and 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 basically try to decide, you know, if he'll commit or if that's something that he even wants. So yes, it, mm. I think that's the way to sum it up. That is, that's a great summary. I like that <laughs> a lot. It's well because it's so e- it's harder to summarize. I think for people plotless because the show doesn't really have a plot in the traditional sense. It's a lot of vignettes and people tend to get bogged down in the individual vignettes and you end up just sort of describing. So I like that, that you just sort of gave me the the arc, which is what basically it is. And I can appreciate, you know, the bigger shows, the shows that have grander plot lines, but my goodness, give me two people singing about, singing their hearts out about how they feel about each other any day of the week. The big sets and all that stuff is great, but give me two people you know, singing their heart out about how they feel mm-hmm. in any given what... circumstance. And, and my goodness, I'll just, I'll, I can, I can, you know, eat that for breakfast, lunch and dinner. It's so amazing. <laughs> it is really, and it's, it's something that's very unique, I think, to musicals, that the ability to really get you deep inside quiet moments of, refl- I mean, mm-hmm. the whole, this whole show takes place basically within a second, mm-hmm. um, like a moment yeah. in this, in this yeah. man, when he's blowing out the candles and all the different directions he can possibly mm-hmm. go. It, it's an interesting, so one of the things that I find interesting about Company, it, it, it draws in a sharp focus for me, the, the, the question of whether or not something is timeless, because I think Company is timeless. It is, a, is Its themes resonate. But one of the things that keeps getting odd to me when people revive it, leading up to the current revival that, that mm-hmm. is obviously on hold right now, but is... But is mm-hmm. Is, is on Broadway, um, is what happens when we modernize the setting of, of a show? Because this album, 
really is a 70s like late 60s 70s album which i love yes yes and it it has a very raw kind of that you know the slight little little waka guitar and those orchestrations and some light synths and i just <laughs> i think it's great um but every time they've revived it they've they've updated it in the orchestration and the setting they put it in modern day new york and the older the show gets, the worse that feels to me. The, the most simplest one going back to is the fact that the character of April, one of Bobby's girlfriends, is a f- flight attendant, which is like such a like 60s sex icon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Obsessed with. But just kind of beyond that, the little things that characters are going, the little things they do together uh, that are going through feel very locked in their periods of time. And I wonder if you've ever felt that about the show. Um, absolutely. And I think in general, and there, there are so many shows that try to update, you know, everything about it. And I think that some things need to live as a period piece. And I think mm-hmm. that a lot of times we're afraid that um, uh, producers are afraid to um, to do that because they maybe think when well, no one wants to see a show about the 70s. But it's like, no, I think that it, it, it if you're going to update it, you just have to update so much about it. You have to update so much about it. And I have yeah. a lot of thoughts. I have a lot of thoughts about the current. Oh, okay. Um, Having not seen it, keep in mind I have not seen it, but I have a lot of thoughts about that. But we can get into that. Well, what are you? Yeah, no, hit me. What are your thoughts about it? Okay, all right. I'm about to make a lot of um, maybe (laughs) feminist (laughs) upset women. Uh Maybe I hope not, but I'm just going to try to speak my truth and Mm -hmm. what I believe. I think that Bobby doesn't work as a woman. Mm. Why is that? because I think that if you're writing a, a story about unmarried, never married women in America, that's a completely different story than unmarried, never married men in America. And I understand hmm. that they made some, uh, some adjustments here and there, but I think that to have this woman running through life or running through life in the story and she's unmarried and people are saying, why don't you get married? And she's saying, well, I love my independence. And I think that, we're not being honest with ourselves about why this woman would not be married at this point. Mm. I don't believe that Bobby as a woman has three um, eligible bachelors who are chasing her mm-hmm. and who want to settle down. And keep in mind, there are a lot of women who just, they'll never get married. That's not who they are. They're free birds. They don't want to be settled down at all. Mm. And that's fine. But that's not who this story is about. That's not the type of person this story is about. This is someone who's kind of on the fence and they're not sure what they really want. So to have these three eligible bachelors, first of all, first of all, there aren't, who has three eligible bachelors ready to give you a ring ring in in 2020? In 2020, they're they're not like, they don't have like a, a, like a, a crack problem or he's like unemployed or the other one isn't like, like related to you secretly or something sure like i just don't i think that look i think that there is a power differential in relationships between men and women oh this is a historically scarring power differential that exists and i think that that even though a man you know can you have a relationship and the woman is kind of like on top in the relationship it's there's still a certain power differential and as much as we want to try to move away from it i think when it comes down to it when people get married, it's oftentimes, I'm, I don't want to say this, I feel like I'm going to get you in so much trouble. But. Well, no, I think that, uh, let, me, let me hop in before, like, let me, let me reinforce yeah. a little bit. Because I, you're absolutely right. Because I think what you're talking about, a lot of it is, is the societal perception of a married couple is still based kind of on the king-queen hierarchy. Yes. Which is something I have experienced being for my son, that I was a stay-at-home dad for five years and was such an anomaly every time I took him to the library for story read-alongs or like to the playground that I I was even when when he was born we lived in LA which you would consider to be you know pretty uh, liberal and bougie and like up with it I was still the only guy bringing his son to to these things and was very popular because and stared at and sort of oh god a lot of good for you's out of that and that made me feel good until I realized that when my wife did the same thing she got none of that it was all just a basic like well that's what you're supposed to do and it occurred to me that 
that's when I first had a realization that, oh, like these things exist, even though we like to pretend they are, they don't, or they may not exist interpersonally, like between you and me, who are two people who know each other, they exist in the world. And we have to reckon with that still. It is, it is not, it is not complete. So I think you are correct. I agree with you in the, in, in the flipping the switch between Bobby being a man and a woman inherently requires a lot more revision than I think people probably give it credit for. The, the part of it that I enjoy, that it brought into sharp focus for me when I listened to the London cast album and really thought about it and saw some of the changes they did was how little Bobby actually does in the show. I mean, he sings the best songs. There's no question about that, but he, in all those scenes um, is really listening to the married couples and reacting to what they're doing. So until you get into the, the sort of sexual politics of being a single man versus a single woman and being 35 and a single man versus a single woman, uh, the character can be switched very easily in a lot of those scenes. But then, like you say, once you get into the boyfriends or the girlfriends or however you want to do it, it does sort of make Bobby less of a every man character, which I think he's kind of supposed to be in the original musical and more of a specific, interesting character as a woman, but it's then the show's doing something different. It's, it's changing. It's, it's, it's doing something a little different. So yeah, I'm interested to see it. I, I don't, but I don't know if it works and I don't know if it's more because like I say it of the, the gender switch or because of the time period shift. I don't know which one sort of, or both. I mean, if both then suddenly becomes like a huge problem. I don't, I don't know. Well, well, absolutely. I mean, you like, if we're talking about a, it, the only way it, in, in any ways you can have Bobby as a woman would be modern day. Mm-hmm. So that's just first of all, you can't right. have a woman in the seventies and that's the same story. That's just like, you know, wh- where are we? But yeah. the thing that I think is, um, you make some excellent points. And I think that, um, it, it almost seems like they've created this world that it's not there that does not exist yet. We're not at that point yet where an unmarried, never married woman in in her mid thirties would be spoken to and discussed the same way that an unmarried, never married man in his thirties would be mid thirties would be spoken to. Mm-hmm. It's I I say this as an unmarried, never married woman in her thirties, by the way. So I'm speaking for my expert. This is an expert opinion. <laughs> It is a very different conversation. It's a very different set of conversations and discussions than you, than a man would have. And that's mm-hmm. just, and it doesn't mean that women aren't, you know, doing it for ourselves these days. It doesn't mean that we're not independent. It's not about any of that. It's just about, it's, it's different. And I think that you would have to change. I think Sondheim would need to take the pen to the paper and mm-hmm. he would need to change a lot. And, really and that, did not, that did that did not happen for this for this production. So I think that if you wanted to make Bobby a woman, first of all, I don't, I don't see why you would need to, as you said, Bobby isn't even the most interesting character in the story. He, he has, he has, I think he has the second best song. I think ladies to lunch is the best song. Sure. And so it's like for this show in particular, you have so many amazing, strong female roles. I mean, these are some really incredible, like really incredible roles for women in the show it's almost like why company like there's probably other shows that you could do that with where i mean whatever i'm not gonna knock a girl getting her her check like i don't want to knock oh, her sure. you know she's getting her check good for her i just personally think well that. and it's i mean in the broadway it's katrina link who is just yeah. Yeah. Is, is a phenomenon and she was when i was yeah. really i was very on the fence about this because i i had heard the london recording i wasn't thrilled with it and then when they cast her i went yeah, I really do want to see that. I really do want to see her yeah. play that part. You know, not yeah. everybody, but like her. Yeah, that sounds yeah. that sounds pretty great. Um, I mean, it's an it, it does also speak to, and I wonder as as someone who who though writes, I am I'm always wary when people want to do want to quote unquote do something with a show, be that Shakespeare or be that you know company change the inherent structure of the way the writers originally intended it to make, to do something with it, you know, to make it something when it kind of was something to begin with. And so that's, there's always my sort of knee jerk 
reaction. Now, I try to write personally things that can be more cast gender blind to sort of be like, let's let's just open this up as much as we possibly can. That's, yeah. that's but you know, fifty years ago when this musical was written, and let's say that out loud again, it was written fifty years ago. Fifty years ago, almost to this. Almost day. to the day. Yes, ago. we are yeah. just a little bit past its debut. Yeah. Its fiftieth anniversary. It it is you know like we're for we are far uh, when this musical came out it was further away from Oklahoma than we are from it now, like in terms of its debut. So like yes. this, 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 this exists in a very specific place in the history of, of American musical theater. And I think that these efforts to alter it, to adapt it, to do something with it, obviously Stephen Sondheim's still alive, you know, but George Firth wrote the book isn't mm-hmm. and Harold Prince now, of course, isn't. So the, the, the creators of it are not, are no longer with us. And there is this sort of sense of playing with this thing and trying to make it something interesting, quote unquote, and therefore making, but then you end up making it confusing. I think it's one of those shows where when you pull it threads on this show you start to realize just how tightly wound together it was in the first place because things stopped making sense in a lot of yeah, and it's not just with this show. I think it's with a lot of shows. I mean, mm-hmm. I think that, oh sure, I think you know Rent when they um, brought Rent back to um um the um off Broadway production mm-hmm. and they tried to modernize it and it's like it doesn't work. You don't a show yeah, really that does, the show is a it, it it exists in a canon and that's okay. It exists as a period piece. I mean, we wouldn't take hair and say, let's try to modernize hair. Which, I mean, actually, some people probably have, but right. you want to take hair and say, let's make hair a 2020 show. It's not a 2020 show. Right. Like, let's just leave it where it was and, and make a really incredible production or, you know, being casted in a way that that works, that is, that's different. I mean, I don't think a woman works, but if if you want to try that, then, like, try it. But I just don't personally don't think it works. But it's like, there's ways that you could probably play with casting that could update it and make it a little bit more modern. But I just think that sometimes things exist in a canon and it exists where it needs to exist. And, mm-hmm. um, and it's, it's just, it's a, sometimes it winds up being a different story. And so what was it, do you think that, that drew you and continues to draw you to this show? It, it, it being, you know, like such a, 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 a show of its time and of a, of a, a of a place um, and of a specific story, what was it that grabbed you when you first heard it? I think that the song, if I was to pick a song that grabbed me, mm-hmm. it would probably be, um, there was just something about Elaine Strick that just, she's just, as, as always, I don't oh, know, she yeah. is a she's grassy, magnetic. you know, she's like that, that classic Broadway broad, you know, and hearing Ladies Who Lunch and then hearing, um, even just her, like um, little things we do together, her little asides in it. Sharing little winks together, drinks together, cakes together, that make marriage a joy. The bargains that you shop together, cigarettes you stop together, clothing that you swap together, that make perfect relationships. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, I, I just think it's so like. It's like it just very it's it's very theatrical and it's and I'm a very dramatic, very like over the top theatrical person. And so what I like I like my shows to be over I like them to be big and I think it's a big show. It's a big show that has like this, you know, um it's it's pretty much storyless as you said, but mm-hmm. it still takes you on this journey. And I think that was I think Lady So Much was that song that just I think I, I think after I heard that song, I like looked up the references. Oh, I didn't okay. understand the references at the time. I was like, sure. and one for Mahler. What is she talking about? Huh? <laughs> what? Who? Matinees? And then I'm and I'm and then I'm so I'm looking up all these references. And I'm like, oh, okay. So she's talking about this. And she's talking about that. And I think it was probably maybe in that song that just I love like a I love a good broad, you know, a good mm-hmm. broad, broad, like a good gypsy, a good um, uh, you know, just just a a show that has like that eleventh hour. Mm-hmm. song and I think that was the song that initially drew me to it but just in listening to it over the years I listened to to this recording many times over the years mm-hmm. and I think that as I got older and older I related more and more with Bobby to mm-hmm. some extent 
And 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 then I would relate to another character, and I would relate to this character. And I would just I would relate to the characters in different ways. I mean, it's a, it is the musical about not just about marriage. I don't think I think it's about um, loneliness and mm. and that's very um, interesting. Yeah, longing and wanting to just find like that person. And I think I've always wanted to find that person. I've never found that person. And it, I think it, that that's it's such a like an interesting idea you just said of being about loneliness and being about characters who are in a lot of ways alone together. Uh, and it's sort of at the end almost resolves that alone together is better than alone separately, which is such a, like, I don't know if a modern writer would take that approach. Um, Cause it does definitely at the end come out on the side of, if not marriage, certainly being a couple, being with somebody else, opening yourself up to that possibility. What really struck me about what you you just said is it's also written by two men who at the time were not married um, mm-hmm. and also who both were, were uh, closeted gay men. And so it is written from an, uh, an unusual kind of outside looking in perspective, which I think is what gives it, but then directed by Hal Prince, who was married, but it did, as he famously said, he didn't get married till he was 35. So the whole thing made him a little insecure. Uh, but it really has this very interesting perspective on relationships. It feels very observed and feels very like they knew all these people. And I think that's why you can kind of relate to different characters depending on where you are. You know, we've all been harry drinking too much maybe and like kind of bickering with people and trying to live vicariously through somebody else and we've all been on diets and being like please eat that piece of cake so i can watch you eat it like we've all been both people in all the different relationships and it really like can grab you in a lot of different uh in a lot of different ways yeah and i I remember i listened to one episode of the podcast i don't remember what show it was Mm -hmm. where you said that that was one of the things that, that you kind of saw as like a, a, um, a fault in the show is that you had like these two men, gay men pretty much who were writing about straight marriage. Mm-hmm. And I have to call you on that. Sure. Go right ahead. <laughs> I, I've said I, a lot of things on this show. I, I don't always stand behind all of them, but I definitely said that at one point. I'll, I'll, no, I, will I, feel that. You, I feel you 100%. Yeah. My only thing is just this. I think that if you just, you were to say, this, if you took, if you look look at this as a show about marriage, then what you say is completely makes makes sense completely. But I don't think it's a show about marriage. I don't, I don't think it's. I think it's a show about about loneliness, and I think it's a show about this fear of if 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 ending up alone and not having someone to walk through life with, but also wanting that independence and 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 like how do you reconcile those two feelings? And I think that if we're talking about fear of walking through life alone. We're talking about loneliness and we're talking about this desire to be independent. Who better understands that than a gay man in the late sixties, early seventies. Very true. Who who couldn't even like, you know, walk down the street with the person that he loves, let alone think about, you know, marriage was marriage. Gay marriage was not something that we were discussing late sixties, early seventies for, for, um, you know, we had we didn't start discussing that for many years. I think maybe some of the reasons why why those motifs come out so strongly and why that emotion is just there. I mean, being alive, you could let we could take that and you if you were to say, you know, let's take it out of, of company and just mm-hmm. listen to the, the song and, and 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 listen to those lyrics, and you would say, well, no, I get it, I get it, I get why a gay man probably wrote this. Mm-hmm. I get why a gay man who's saying, I mean, the song is saying life sucks and it's so hard to go through life. And there's so many horrible things that we have to deal with. But if having someone who can walk with me through all those horrible things, maybe that can make all of this worth it. Maybe it can, maybe that's the reason why we, we have a partner in life is because it it's not going to get better. It's only going to get worse. And you have <laughs> to have someone who can walk with you through those moments. And I think that in the 1970s, what was going on, or 1960s when this was, when this was written, what was going on with gay people in America, I think that, that was prob- there was probably some of that that came out of that in a song like Being Alive. But alone is alone, not alone. Somebody crowd me 
love Somebody force me to care Somebody make me come through I'll always be there As frightened as you To help us survive Being alive Being alive Being alive I, I think you're, you're, you're probably correct. I mean, it, it does really depend on how you view the show because i think the things that it has to say the moments that it gets in the most trouble are when it tries to be specific about marriage those are the moments that i in the book mainly where i when seeing the show feel the most disengaged like the book will kind of let you down every now and again and then the songs come in and you're just never mind i don't care like this this is so, <laughs> this is so great um and it is i i get very I'm a very two distinct minds about the script to this show because I feel like in the right hands, the right director who really understands what the text is trying to say, or at least has a good point of view on it, it can be something great, but I've never seen a director handle this where I went, Oh, they fully under like they're embracing this from a point of view. And I think one of the ways to do that is what you're saying is to say, it's not about marriage. It's about this other thing, which is connected to all the themes of marriage that are discussed and all the different things. But the minute it starts to become only about marriage, that's when I kind of get lost in it. So maybe if it was directed from the point of view, like you said, about being about loneliness or being about fear or being about something that's a little broader and then using marriage as the lens through which those emotions are explored, that could be something where I'd go, oh, that's where the book makes sense. Like that's how it all, it all connects. Absolutely. Um, I completely agree with you. And I think that, that's that doesn't happen enough with shows. I think that we think of of you know we say this is a show about about this topic or whatever the backdrop of it. It's like no, it's not. This isn't show. Rent isn't a show about AIDS and homelessness in New York. That's not what it's about. It's about something deeper than that. And I think that if you mm-hmm. find the thing that it's about and you play that, you know, you play that, play the loneliness of it, play this fear of ending up alone and not having anyone to walk through life with, to, to face life together with. Play that. And then I think that the show works. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I still think it, it really, it's one of those true examples of how like the, the, the musical as a form can really, it, it can elevate material like this because like the show keeps getting revived, frankly, mm-hmm. because of the score. I mean, everyone <laughs> has this album. Everyone loves these songs. They're all music theater standards, most of them anyway. Um, and even the ones that are, what's so great about it is in between the, the, the ones that everybody knows from being performed on television endlessly or on people's solo albums or having sung them in high school, you have other songs that are truly hilarious and fun to listen to, like Poor Baby. That's the one that I'm always so it's so excited to get to on this recording specifically. Because <laughs> it is, no other recording of the show has captured how funny that yeah. song is yeah. quite yeah. in the same way. David. Yes. Robert. What? I worry. Why? It's such a waste. Hmm. There's no one. Where? In his life. Robert up to have a Because this is such a loose show. It's a show that just sort of floats. The, the the scenes drift in and out of each other. The characters move. And, or, you know, like you're having Harry and Sarah have this huge karate fight in the middle of this very nice dinner party. And then Elaine Stritch just walks on stage and starts singing the little things you do together. <laughs> and then, like, because why not? You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah why not? Why not? All so silly. <laughs> It, it, maybe maybe it's another issue I have with sort of the the adjustments that are made in in revivals of it is is this the, it it's treated you know sort of sacrosanct it's treated so seriously and and intensely and the show is in the truest definition um, a musical comedy you know it is yeah, yeah. It, it is 
it's it's silly it's funny it's goofy and it it it, it has something to say i'm not saying it doesn't but it, while it was a very important show and a, and a turning point for a lot of people and especially a turning point for for sondheim's career it is it is billed at the time company a musical comedy it's yeah. funny it, and it it should be treated with that sort of level of respect, which is learn, I mean, learn the words, sing the right notes. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying just do have fun with it, please, when you're doing it. And it it should be something everyone enjoys. Like that's sort of the point is to make everybody laugh. Yeah. I mean, if you were to say, like, let's say comedy doesn't exist and you were to say, mm-hmm. I'm writing a musical mm-hmm. and it's about marriage. Like that, that could go two ways. You know, it could go mm-hmm. a very dark way or it could go a very comedic way. And I think that this show merges those two. I mean, I think it's, mm-hmm. it, probably just it has it both ways. Yeah, I think yeah, you're right. Comedy. When you called it a dark comedy, I think that's, yeah. what I've never heard anyone call it that before, but I think that's yeah. absolutely true because there are moments of, I mean, there's moments of drama to it, obviously. Mm-hmm. And there's moments of, I mean, of being alive is a, there's nothing funny about that song. And it yeah. is also speaking to the fact that this show underwent so many finale numbers from like marry me a little to uh, multitudes of amy's to happily ever after finally mm-hmm. to being alive is it struck it has such a specific comedic tone and they and for the first like five songs they went from like traditional music theater closing number on a stadium of amy's standing up to cheer Chorus of Amy's, symphonies of Amy's, ringing in my ear. To silly closing number. Marry me a little, love me just enough. Cry but not too often, play but not too rough. Keep a tender distance so we'll both be free. That's the way it ought to be. I'm ready to deeply ironic. Someone to hold you too close. Someone to hurt you too deep. Someone to love you too hard. Happily ever after. Someone to need you too much. Someone to read you too well. Someone to bleed you of all the things you don't want to tell. That's happily ever after. Ever, ever, ever after in hell. And they never quite fit the right tone. And the right answer was just earnest love song. You know, like yeah. being alive yeah. like this. Just let the character lay it out on stage in a very honest and earnest way. And that is the proper way to end this very silly yes. show. And it's, but it's incongruous. You wouldn't think that. You would think, oh, the way to end this funny show is with a funny kind of winky number. It's like, nope, that doesn't that doesn't no, work at no, all. No, it's got to be this sort of deeply emotional connection because the character is on an emotional journey. Yeah, and it's it's such a, I mean, again, a very very smart decision. But I, it is what what you said. I really took my ears. I say that that you called it a dark comedy, which I don't think I've heard anyone say before. There are moments of true darkness in this story and and not even in the sort of like you could view um sorry grateful as kind of a dark number i it it, i think it's a very honest i think sorry melancholy yeah yeah i think it's melancholy but i think sorry grateful is help it's 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 both hilarious and very sad yeah it's very it's a very sad song but it's also very it's a hilarious song i mean i think that it's it's that's one of the songs that i remember um that i was listen to recently and i was just like I was like, oh my gosh, I love writing. <laughs> I was like, I love, I love writing. Everything's different. Nothing's changed. Only maybe slightly rearranged. You're sorry, grateful, regretful, happy. Why look for answers when none occur? Always are what you always were, which has nothing to do with all to do with her. 
like I really love yeah. when you have like and because it's so many that. different interpretations like you could you could listen to this and say oh it's this really melancholy song but then you're like oh but wait it's actually really funny and really honest and mm-hmm. and they're saying things that they probably have never said aloud maybe this is the first time they've said aloud in a very long time and so it's it's yeah it's a really good song um I mean Barcelona is a mm. is, it's you know where where Bobby is he's um you know, in bed with this woman, and he's saying, he's saying, um, I like, I, like, maybe I could be with you. Like, maybe this could happen. Like, he's feeling good. He's in the moment, and then he's just kind of like, he calls her like the wrong name at one point. Yes. And she's like, he's like, don't leave. Don't go on your business trip. Stay, stay. Put your rings down. Stay. And she's like, and she's like, um, okay, I'll stay. And he's like, oh crap. Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of like how you know. So it's like it's, it's, it's stay a minute. No. Yes, you can. No, I can't. Where you're going? Barcelona. So you said. And Madrid. Bon voyage. I'm a Bowie. Good night. You're angry. No. I've got to write. Report to. Go. That's not to say that if I had my It's also tied, but like the thing that gets dark in this show that doesn't really happen in the songs, you don't really realize how dark it is until you see it because it's the book scenes that can get a little dark. And like the the scene, he, he has a scene on the bench with Kathy, one of his other girlfriends, where she explains she's leaving, she's moving out of New York. And her sort of monologue to him is very bittersweet, but it does have this sort of error where she's sort of, you, you get the sense that she really understands Bobby like yeah. gets him in yeah. a way that means like I get you and I love you and I never want to see you again. Like, yeah, I can't do this. Yeah, I can't do this. I get it. I respect it, but I can't do it. I don't even know if she respects it, but it's just I get it. And I yeah, she understands. I, I mean, it's that. Like, yeah, yeah, like I understand you, and and that's be- what, and because I understand you, that I never want to see you again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, so here's the thing. Here's the thing. So I just came up with the idea, and you can steal this idea, but you have to oh, sure. credit me for. So like. Instead of my thing is this: instead of taking Bobby and making Bobby a woman, what if you took the three girlfriends? If you took like Kathy, mm-hmm. April, and Marta, and you said, "Let's take the three girlfriends," and you did a story from like their point of view, like you looked at company through their point of view, mm-hmm. that's a show that I would be interested in seeing. Mm. Like, what are they? Because they're seen as like they're kind of, you know, they have some dimensions to them. I don't know if they're, if they're three, if they're, you know three-dimensional maybe they're like 2.5 dimensional they don't have, they have some dimensions to them but mm-hmm. we don't really get to see them i'm like what is their story like what are they you know dealing with like what is like i i don't know i mean i think that we i think that would be an interesting to look at mm-hmm. and i think that that's something that could be fleshed out in a in a future iteration of the show is these these three girls that he are you know he's driving mad and they they want do they want to get married? Do they want him? Do they just want someone? Right. Like, do they just want someone? I think Barcelona is a big, like, and this is something as, how, how long have you been married? I've been married for 15 years. Okay. So it's a whole new world. It's a whole, mm-hmm. These streets are, it's tough. Yeah. You should thank your wife and go thank her. It's <laughs> very tough in these streets these days. Mm-hmm. But Barcelona is a song where that happens to a lot of single people these days where mm-hmm. you're like, you meet someone and you say, oh my gosh, I like this person wait, I can't like be with this person. This could happen. We could just do it. Let's just, yeah, we can make this happen. But it's like, you really are not in love with that person. And that person is not really who you want. It's not them that you want. It's that you want that, that thing. Like you want someone. Mm-hmm. So you don't really want that person in particular. And the women that he's dating, do they actually want Bobby? Or do they just want someone? Yeah. Because Bobby's not a good, he's not a good, partner he hasn't shown himself what has he done to show himself to be a good partner like he's he's not he doesn't um you know in my mind like you know he's not 
he's not calling when he says he's going to call. He has, he's dating two other women. He's not committing. He's not saying, okay, you know, we can go, you know, to apple picking for the weekend or we can go to, you know, whatever. He's, he's not a good partner. So why do they want him? And a lot of times I think it's just because people want someone. Mm-hmm. Like, you're like, he's good. He has a job. He has a job. He's, you know, has an apartment. Let's, let's just do it. Let's just, let's just do this, you know? And so I do wonder, like, those three women, like, what do they want? Do they want him? Is that really what they want? Well, Bobby also, from my point of view, is an interesting commentary on the idea of living in the moment, which I don't think it was intended. I think it's an unintended consequence of the way the character is written. Um, because he, one of the reasons that he's such a great friend is because he just says yes to everything. Like if you mm-hmm. call him and you say, come on over, or can you take the kids? And like, yeah, I'll mm-hmm. take them to the zoo. Like, whatever, I got mm-hmm. time. Great. He just says yes to whatever's right in front of him. And there are several times in the show, most notably at the end of act one, when Amy throws Paul out at, at when she panics and throws out her husband, like her husband to be in, in an hour, you know? And she, he then says to her, we should get married. And it clicks this thing in her head of like, you're nuts. Like you're out of your mind. I love Paul. Oh God, I love Paul. And she like has to go off. But she Mm -hmm. says to him, you have to want somebody, not just want somebody. And it's that idea of like, he wants what's in front of him uh, right up until the moment that he doesn't. And when he doesn't, he just kind of ghosts, you know, he just kind of like "Ah," drifts away. And because for whatever reason, he doesn't want to expose that other part of himself to open himself up to that. And that is really, to me, what being alive is about is his living in, when he starts to think about the future at the beginning of being alive, it's all negative. It's like, what are you going to get? You're going to get all those things he lists of like, all someone's going to do is sit in my chair and ruin my sleep. And then when he goes, what do you want? He turns all those negatives into positives. Yes. And it's like, no, I want those things. I want someone to make me confused and mock me with praise. And it's that opening up to the chance of being hurt, which means you're opening yourself up to a future and to sort of planning for the future, which is not something that Bobby ever does. Yeah. That moment. And it's sort of reflected, like you say, in those scenes with his girlfriends where he's clearly like, they're saying all these things to him and he's trying to keep up with what they're saying. And it just never works because they're yeah, thinking yeah. about their lives and also they're thinking about their futures. And like even Marta, who is like the most like hip, I own this town kind of girl. She's still yeah. like, you're an idiot. <laughs> like you don't. <laughs> she's right through him. And she thinks he's interesting and she'll keep him around as long as he's interesting. And eventually she will cut him loose because he'll stop being interesting. But it, it he is a, you know, he's a character with a lot of facets and a lot of weird kind of levels to him, which I think is why he's so attractive to be played. Um, and yeah. I mean, do, do you think, do you think that he's, I think that he's a bit of a people pleaser. Oh Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think he's. I think that's part of the problem that he runs into is that he has, um, he's saying yes to everything. He's saying yes to everyone. He's not, mm-hmm. in some ways. I mean, Bobby is, you know, seems very selfish and very, you know, self-involved. But in some ways, he's probably very selfless, and he's and he or or maybe his selflessness manifests itself in the wrong way. I think even with these women, he's like, I I know what they want, and so I'll be that thing that they want for mm-hmm. a moment. But, that, but I'm not going to be here forever. I'm going to, you know, be that thing they want in the moment and then I'm going to go. And I think that that's, he, he is not really focusing on himself. And then maybe, you know, when the story ends and, and, and like, if I'm always trying to think about what happened after the curtain closes. And so right. like maybe after the curtain closes, Bobby will say, he'll be able to be honest with himself and say, I want these things. I want this, I want this, I want this. I don't know exactly how it's going to turn out, but I want these things. And I'm going to be honest. A part of being a people pleaser is you're not being honest. And I think that he's probably going to be a little more honest. Well, and you're also not, following this. you're not, you can please people on a surface level all day long, but until yeah, you are yeah. willing to give your, that authentic part of yourself over, you're not really being good friends with anybody. You know, you're yeah, not yeah. really, you know, it, it requires a little bit of give and take. Um, and he's the the lyric that just popped into my head. This is a little weird. Uh, I don't know that anyone's made this connection before ever, but is the Everclear song "Everything to Everyone," and it, it's that idea of like you you try to you try to be everything you can to everybody, and and as a result, you end up being nobody. 
Like you're, yeah. you know, and who you are to Harry and Sarah is different than who you are to Peter and Peter and Jenny and or David and Jenny and Peter. I get them all mixed up. But in any yeah, event, yeah, yeah, you know, you're no, no, you're right. You're yeah. right. And that's why. And I think that's why I think that's why Bobby is such a, you know, chameleon of a character. He's someone who, like you said, he's like nobody. Like he's he mm-hmm. doesn't have he doesn't say he doesn't have anything that he really like what are his convictions that he's standing firm in he's wishy-washy throughout the whole story oh, and God, yeah. it's because he's and that's a what you said is excellent 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 way to put it it's that you become nothing and you mm-hmm. become whoever you know take the hit sure i'll be that guy you know go on and have a drink i'll be that guy and the women, they all see him. And poor baby, they're all, you know, they see him and say, oh, this is our, our sweet Bobby. He's so oh, yeah. wonderful. And these, none of these women are good enough for him. And it's like, and I almost want to take them and just yep. pop them across their face and say, and say, no, that's not what it is. You guys are seeing this version of him. He's, he, you know, leaves his, his dirty socks on the floor like everyone else. And mm-hmm. he, you know, uh, you know, uh, just hulks the cover and snores too much at night. Like he has all these same flaws that every other man has. It's just that you see this version of him because you don't see him that much. I mean, those women, they, you know, probably see Bobby higher than their husbands. And they probably see Bobby in a way of like, Oh, you know, if you could be, if if you could be more like Bobby. Right. And it's like, no, you, that's only because you don't live with him. (laughs) Right. And you see him however often, and he never says no. Like, he's a great yeah. house guest. I'm sure he's a great dinner guest, you know? And he yeah. Does. But I, as we're winding down, you've already told me what your favorite show is, but your favorite song is. So I want to mm-hmm. skip that, which is usually how I end. And I actually want to ask, you said something at the beginning that I didn't drill down on too hard. I want to drill down on it now. So you semi-retired and then started listening to this again, and it kicked you back in. What was it? What, what, what did it? I mean... Gosh, I have such a, I have such a, um, I have such a, it's complicated relationship with musical theater. Sure. <laughs> oh my goodness. I think we um, all do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's just, oh my gosh. It's like a marriage. It's like a marriage. Mm-hmm. It's like a marriage in some ways. If Good you, and the bad. If you, if you give yourself to it entirely. Uh, yeah. Yes. But that's the thing you have to give yourself to it entirely. Yeah. <laughs> with your marriage, you can't be like, well, honey, I need two days off. I'm going right. to go. It's yeah. like, no, you better get back in here. No, you're the in. Potatoes are on the on the stove. So anyway, I say that to say that I don't think it's something that you can be, you can um, have one toe in. I think it's something you need to put your entire body, you submerge your entire body in. You have to really put everything into it. And when I, the times I've been working on shows have been the best times of my life and the worst times of my life. Mm-hmm. It's been the, it's been the best because it's, it's nothing that I love more. I mean, when I watch that, that uh, that documentary, those clips of the documentary for company where they're recording the, I, and I and they and they're saying, oh, it's four a.m. I'm saying there's nowhere at what I'd rather be mm-hmm. at four a.m. than sitting in a room, you know, working on some music for a show or some lyrics for it. Nowhere else I'd rather be. It is the one place that I would rather be more. I I love it. I love it. I don't know what else to say about it. But that said, it takes so much out of me that when I'm done on with a show. I don't know how to recover and mm-hmm. I haven't figured that out yet. And maybe if at some point I can figure out how to recover after a show, mm-hmm. then, then, then it, maybe that would be time for me to start getting back into it. But it's, it, it, it is such a thing that I love so much. And I, you know, I've listened to like a lot of uh, lately I've been listening to, uh, you know, the one, uh, the, the, uh, the 9-11 one, what is it? Um, Come uh, from away. Come from away. Mm-hmm. I've been listening to Come from Away and be, and walk kicking walks and sobbing. By the way, sobbing oh, yeah. because oh, of everything gosh, going man. on right now. And my, oh yeah. Oh, oh, I can That's another whole. But yeah, I've been listening to that a lot. Um, and that and then I and then I recently started listening to this mm-hmm. because it just impressed for this. I was like, let me just listen to it again. And and it's and this is the one that I'm just. It's the it's the it's probably that first that first show that really got me excited about lyrics and excited about storytelling mm-hmm. excited about storytelling and uh, i don't know i'm working through this in my head right now doctor yeah you can't <laughs> doctor Flynn, just I'm when you thought they were this. out no they pull you back in that's why the you, why are you doing yeah. this to me <laughs> <laughs> well I, but it's that i think that finding that balance is the 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 health one thing that heartens me is that you recognize that this is something you need to like find a balance with because we also know people 
who don't recognize that, who just go 100% all the time, and then eventually they burn themselves out. I, I, but I, yeah, I mean, I struggle with that too. I come down fatigue is a real thing. And when you, I have the, the, more than the come down fatigue, I always have the fear when the show closes that I've written that I'm never going to work again. It's just this like mm. thing in my yeah. head that's like, well, that was it. That was the last one because I don't have another one in front of me. And I know that's not true. Like if I sit down quietly and think to myself, but I can't shake that feeling that that's it. And I start hunting, you know, and I have to kind of, I do have to allow myself to like relax and not just go hunting for the next gig because you don't want to take the next thing. You want to take the next right thing. You know, you yeah, want to do the next yeah. thing that really connects with you and you have to allow, like for me anyway, I have to allow myself to, to wait through the quiet knowing that a gig will come that will make me go, Oh, that's interesting. Or I'll have an idea yeah, and I'll yeah. call some people. It, it will happen. But it's that sort of like more than the come down fatigue for me is the, like the total fear that, well, that was the last one. And now I'm yeah. done. And, but they're all sides of the same coin. It's that thing that fills that void that, like you say, it's four o'clock in the morning and I'm, there's nowhere I'd rather be to be entirely, you know, it's, and it's going to be sick. And it's, yeah, it is sick. And I think there's, there's not, everybody's not built for that world, but it's just like, I, I mean, I have, I can't even tell you how much sleep I've lost just being in bed and like on my phone and looking at lyrics to something and saying, how do I make this how do I just take this to the next level? Like, what, what can I, how can I think about this story in a different way? And it's just, you just, uh, you don't, no one, you, no one will understand it unless they are, unless they're, um, yeah, if you're not in it, you don't get it. Yeah. No, you don't get it. Yeah. Yeah. If you don't know, you don't know. And if you do know, we don't have to tell you. <laughs> we don't have to tell you. Because <laughs> you you, you're listening it. to this right now, you're nodding. You're saying, yeah, you're absolutely mm-hmm. really, yep. Mm-hmm. Been there, done that, doing yeah, it again there, tomorrow. Yeah. Um, this was great, Star. Thank you so much. This was such an invigorating conversation about this thanks. wonderful, wonderful can, show. Can I make a plug at the end? Please do. Plug it's away. not for a show. My plug is this. So um, I'm someone, I'm a woman who I, I I love the story a lot. I'm an unmarried woman in her thirties. If you know anyone out there, <laughs> if you know, and if you're listening to this and you said, you know what? I think, I think I know a gentleman who'd be good for that girl. <laughs> you reach out and you give me a call. This is a, okay. This is a first, this is an original cast first, but I'm going to ask that you provide some kind of contact information. So I don't have to forward a bunch of emails. No, I don't. Please do not send him emails. I don't want you guys to know that. Well, where can you people can, find you online though? Where can people get, I'm on see what you're I'm doing? On Inst- I'm, 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 I'm inactive on Facebook, but I'm okay. active on Instagram. Okay. My Instagram is star Joe star. So S T A R J O S T A R. That's S T A R J O. S-T-A-R. You can find me on Instagram. Um, I'm always doing Instagram stories. I love doing that. Maybe that's where my creativity is gone. <laughs> there you go. Nothing wrong um, with that. But yeah. All you right. know anyone? Send them my way. <laughs> I'd like to propose a toast. Here's to the ladies who lunch. Everybody laugh Lounging in their caftans And planning a brunch On their own behalf Off to the gym Then to a fitting Claiming their fat And looking grim Cause they've been sitting Choosing a hat Does anyone still wear a hat? I'll drink to that The original cast is produced and edited by me, Patrick Flynn. The original cast is on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Original Cast Pod. You can follow me, Patrick Flynn, on all platforms at Unknown Penguin. Enjoying yourself? Leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts and tell the world. You can also find the original cast on Spotify, Stitcher, Overcast, and wherever fine podcasts are available. 
<laughs> You're like, what have I done? No, I love everything. I love everything that's happening right now. I am so unironically the happiest I've been all day. This is wonderful. But thanks to Star Johnson for coming and talking to me. I'm Patrick Flynn. And I can't. I have rehearsal. So here's to the girls on the go. Everybody tries. Look into their eyes and you'll see what they know. Everybody dies. A dose of that invincible bunch. The dinosaur surviving the crunch. Let's hear it for the ladies who lunch.